How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Here we are today, October the 21st, 2021, a nice crisp fall day here in wherever I am in the middle of where I am uh, in this liminal space of understanding what it means to be betwixt and between with the Reverend Dr. Brenda Hayes. Dr. Hayes, give a shout out. Hi. 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 Everybody, how you doing, Dr. Cooper? I I am doing well. Um, So much has happened since last we talked. We have had a major national loss uh, uh, to COVID uh, to be amongst the over 700,000 in the United States that have succumbed uh, to this pandemic and the memory of uh, a statesman, uh, retired general, Secretary of State uh, Colin Powell, may he rest in power, who um, in 2016 uh, denounced his political affiliation because of some of the things that were happening. Uh, I, am, I am grateful for his legacy and the opportunity to have worked with him in the uh, early 90s with America's Promise and the level of integrity and chutzpah that he had when he gave pretty much a national apology for the misguided information uh, with the war in Iraq, with the weapons of mass destruction. Um, and and I honor that. It takes a great deal of integrity and strength for someone to resoundingly apologize for mistakes and missteps and so no matter what uh that that former uh person says who was basically a reality tv um commander-in-chief to demonize at death someone uh, i just think it speaks volumes and and so we salute uh the legacy of uh general powell and also dr hayes I have to mention my heart is still broken uh, at the level of non-compassion with the videotaping of the sexual assault on the commuter train in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pennsylvania. I think it was in Philadelphia and um, just speaks to what we have let loose on this earth. Um, I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts well, I think it. I think it's uh, symptomatic 
of a social disconnect. I think people have carved out their territories and forbid anyone to break the boundaries. And I think this is evidence of that's not my business. I uh, I know that some someone did call 911, but they didn't catch up with the train for a number of stops. Uh, so it takes it takes a lot of time to respond uh, when you're in a moving train. And then in those closed quarters, I would imagine that people didn't want him to really get loose on everybody else, so they kind of contented themselves with with the focus of his assault. But I think it's I think it's terrible that uh, that we have become what we have become. Uh, such lack of uh, human, just human compassion. And I don't really have any answers for it other than and we have not built relationships the way we should. That we have just relied upon the media or technological, social media, that type of thing. And we have not understood uh, close, intimate, personal relationships with one another. So we don't know how to react. We don't know how to act other than to say it's not my business. Yeah, I um, I was just thinking, I believe it was um, an advertising executive, um, I think in 2001 after the September 12th, I believe, around about uh, right after the um, terrorist act uh, in New York, there was an advertising executive and I think his name, and I remember his name uh, because it's a, it's the name of my mother and my cousin, who is now with the ancestors, Alan Kay, uh, who came up with this phrase, if you see something, say something. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, that we have to keep articulating that as a way of speaking to the injustices, speaking to uh, acts of human atrocities, um, and, and just in general. And it's hurtful to think that we have to come up with a mantra to encourage people to do something um, when, when, you know, it, it should be an aid rather than this bystander effect that, um, and that bystander effect plays itself out with a lot of, of, of bullying uh, incidents, et cetera, that, that folks don't want to really have skin in the game. At what point do you offer help? And how has our society changed so much? I remember um, my first car when I was in college was a 1979 two-door Ford Fairmont coupe. I thought I was living high on the hog in those days. And that was in the 19, uh, late 80s, early 90s. So I had a 1979 Ford Fairmont two-door coupe. It was silver on the outside and burgundy leather on the inside. And I remember 
uh, on multiple occasions traveling from home to the campus, I might have had some radiator issues. And um, that was before cell phones, well, car phones, because car phones literally had to be plugged up in the car. And and I can remember on multiple occasions, perhaps, I, I did not do what I needed to do to keep oil in it or or antifreeze, because that was the thing. My dad always made sure before I would tr- drive 80 to 90 miles, check the fluids and all of that. And I, and I was versed well in getting speeding tickets, too. So there's that. But I remember on those occasions when I might be on the overpass, coasting up the overpass to get off the highway, that someone in a in a 18-wheeler, a diesel, or some other a humanitarian would would CB uh use the CB radio to make sure that somebody in my family could get contacted and they would wait you know, I'm a black, I'm a black woman, young black woman at that time. But that level of care and trust, I, I'm, I miss that. You know, at what point do we ask the question that John Keonis asked on his ABC special? What would you do if X, Y, and Z? How many of us would stop and help a stranger or or be afraid? I think that's the issue that we saw with with. Mike Brown laying on the on the concrete and Ferguson. I think that that's the thing that we that's the level of inhumanity, um, and and how many what have we ha- what has happened to change the the ethic of care? And I teach a class about compassion and altruism, also a liberal arts seminar about the ethic of care. Ubuntu, you know, or Namaste. I honor the divine in you that's also in me. Ubuntu, there's good in everybody. Buddhist principles, you know, that that I see the good in you because you are good. Uh, I see the good in me because I am good. But how do we get this level of distrust? Slacktivism. Let me pull out my phone and record it. I'm a slacktivist. I'm slaving. I don't want to get in it, but I can videotape it. What do you think? Well, uh, um, I think it has something to do with the lower rate of people who engage in any kind of religious practice. Um, You know, the, the statistics have shown that there's a decline in church attendance, church affiliation, um, any kind of uh, religious activity on the part of families. Uh, it's just a disintegration of spirituality, I believe, that uh, doesn't give us that periodic reminder that we are our brother's keeper. And one thing about... Um, faith and religion that you have to practice you have to practice daily um, these ethical principles so you have to be reminded of them and if you don't access those uh, vestiges of, of uh, religious intelligence and spirituality 
then it's not hard for us to revert back to our basic nature, which is primarily sinful and lacking in care about anybody but ourselves. We are very selfish. And if we think our lives are at risk or we have to put too much on the line to help somebody else, we will turn and walk away. That's human nature that uh, protection of self over anybody else. You don't meet a lot of selfless people. Uh, And generally, selfless people are inspired by some uh, religious input, some upbringing, and that sort of thing. I I don't, that's that's just my thoughts on it. Because I like to study human behavior. And uh, I see it that without reminders of what you ought to be doing, what is the right thing to do, what is uh, the ethical thing to do, sometimes we are not self-motivated. Yeah, I, um, I remember this book that we had as a kid. My mother always took us to the library. We had library time at least once or twice a week, and especially on Saturdays. But we had um, all the encyclopedias and and various, all kinds of books. And uh, Aesop's Fables were some of my favorites. And, and But I remember this one book, and I often, I often quote it. I don't remember all of the story, but the title was it was uh, Be Nice to Spiders. And it was written by, um, I think her name was Margaret Graham. And um, Be Nice to Spiders um, was a book about this this uh, kid who had a pet spider named Helen. And, um, and he, he left it at the zoo. And um, all, all the animals became happy because... Helen the spider was there and and it was because Helen the spider started spinning webs to keep the flies from bothering the other animals <laughs> and 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 then this and maybe this was one of the things that piqued my eco consciousness and, and theology perhaps I had no idea as I'm I'm articulating this this story that that we should be nice to spiders because spiders help the environment Spiders kept the flies from the lions in the zoo. And, I mean, we can talk about the incarceration of animals in the zoo, too, but that's a whole other story. But and, and the point is that everything has a responsibility in this world. And, and if spiders and flies have a role in, in society, why can't humans see themselves as equally valuable and important to, to bring balance and and is it the the absence as you were saying of spiritual practices whatever those or religious practices as we I religiously get up every morning and brush my teeth and wash my face and make my bed that's my religious practice my spirituality and faith is articulated in in a tradition that looks at Jesus in history that is part of this greater enlightenment and this consciousness of, of 
a cosmic reality of caring for the totality of the world that would include spiders, if you will. So how do we, how do we hone in? And it's not necessarily wrapped up in a church or denomination affiliation. I think, as you were saying, when we look at this golden rule that has its tenets in all sorts of traditions that help build this ethical and moral option or obligation of care that the golden rule is everywhere. Um, whatever that is, maybe it's a platinum rule. I don't know, but we have to, we have to figure out that we, we need each other and we are dependent on each other. And, and then, you know, I'm looking at this, this guy who strangled and, and murdered and his body is missing. I don't want to articulate his name or give him power or that the young man who is facing uh, the parents from the Parkland shooting and, and the 17 uh, names of the, of the victims that are being rehashed and the parents in the courtroom listening to this man, this, this, uh, this person apologize for, you know, killing these kids as they were leaving school at the end of the day. How in the hell did we get here? How? Humans are the most dangerous animal on earth. Human beings. The most dangerous animal. Not the lion. Not the rhino. Not even snakes, but humans. Undisputed. Because of the acts of violence. Yep. Sometimes it's. And, and there's no one answer for, for any of that. But sometimes it's having not experienced the proper care. Sometimes the parents are so busy with jobs and other interests. They don't really raise their children. The children, they don't, and when I say raise, I mean they don't spend time teaching them at home and insisting upon uh, they're doing certain things that will help them uh, to grow into responsible human beings. Everything is done for them, and they can talk their way out of doing anything that they're re- required to do. And those kinds of, uh, of, of atmospheric, atmospheric and parental uh, guidance things don't happen for a lot of kids. And uh, remember now, the mother, you know, I mean, you know, she had guns. When you have these guns in the house and all of this stuff, you don't know what the culture in that home was. So that a, a young person who comes up with these kinds of heinous acts had to get it from somewhere. Maybe that person spent too much time on the computer. Again, there's no parental oversight. <clears throat> so I think there may be a, a, a multiplicity of reasons why human beings uh, fail to be human. There's a lot of mental illness as well that goes undiagnosed. Well, I... So, I- I agree with you, and for those who have 
Um, I don't want to just blanketly say some mental illness is the reason because that's a, I think that's a cop out. But, and I want to also, um, just share that I think it's just evil. And I know evil is a cop out as well. But I, I know that just from my own experience, my dad was a, uh, enjoyed hunting. They had a, a pheasant hunting club, black men's pheasant hunting club that, uh, and it's still viable today. It's, been over 50 years they were uh featured in several hunting magazines for their would go to nebraska uh to pheasant hunt and uh, but here's the thing we had guns in every closet and none of us thought that you would take a gun to shoot somebody of course these were these were like uh rifles that had shell encasings and and i mean and and knives and stuff nobody none of us thought that this is what you needed to do as kids. You know what I'm saying? And right, I, and you and understood, ne- but you understood what they were for. Yeah, but I understood. Yeah. But I've never seen anybody with our, with our, in this country, we got the right to bear arms, you know, constitutional law and all of this other kind of stuff. And it's like, I've never seen anybody shoot death away. I've never, when the grim reaper comes, you're going to pull out your gun and shoot it away. It's it's ludicrous to me why we are at this level of needing to weaponize so much. Well, it's fear. As if the fear to, fear of living? It's the fear of retaliation. When you engage in so much as you call evil, when you engage in so much evil, there's an underlying expectation that one day that evil might come back to you. And I, I'll just take it to where I really, uh, <laughs> I really feel about it. Uh, I feel that, that, uh, some people in this country are amassing all of these guns because they, they have done so much hurtful things to people, uh, black people in particular, uh, immigrants, Jews, uh, anybody that's not white. And if you do, if you treat people that way for so long, you know that within their own mindset, they would be looking for some kind of revenge or retaliation. And uh, I think they're arming up there's more guns than people in this country. And they're arming up for that day of retaliation. They expect it. And then there's that group that wants to overturn every everything that represents progress between uh, cultural groups. And so... They're looking for that revolution. So between retaliation and revolution, people are armed to the, to the hilt for the fight that they expect to come. And it's, it's a shame that we can't, you know, somebody said, uh, Rodney King said, well, why can't we just get along? Why can't we peacefully coexist? Why does there have to be a dominant culture? Those are questions that I have always had and never really found a satisfactory answer. 
Yeah, we, when we have to set up this system of um, a hierarchical structure that sets up this um, power and domination, of course you'll need to have um, this division. And and you know it's it's um, there's a lot going on, and I believe that we can get along one day and. Maybe that's that's the eternal hope that we have that I've seen it. You know, we get along when there are national events, natural disasters. We can we can do it. It's just that we don't. Um, In 2017, everybody around the world was looking crazy up at an eclipse. Um, We got along because it was a once in a lifetime event. Um, we kind of got along with this pandemic, um, kind of got along, <laughs> um, but that was short lived and, uh, but boy, let's just keep praying for, for the good in everywhere. Um, Dr. Hayes, any final yeah. thoughts as we end this podcast? I think I think we do have to continue, as I always say, to represent the good, the better, the right, the just, and that wherever, whatever places we have influence, our sphere of influence has to be taken seriously, uh, so that we can communicate those better values, and at least. Uh, remind people that there, there there is a more excellent way. And um, Paul talks about it in First Corinthians. He says it's it's better than any uh, special gift that you might have. It's better than any position you might possess. The way of love is what makes the world go round. And until we adopt that way of life we will continue to have tension, conflict retaliation uh, but when the day comes we learn how to love each other because we are all human beings the world will be a better place and I have to hold my hope that one day after all of these other avenues have been exhausted people will return to the truth, which is, I see myself in you, for you are me. And without you, neither one of us could be. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Namaste. Thank you, Dr. Hayes. Thank you for everyone who tuned in today. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.